This is HPR episode 1776 entitled Vimkint 004 and is part of the series Vimkint. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 47 minutes long. The summary is Hints and Tips for Vim Users Part 4. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everyone, this is Dave Morris. Today's show is another in the series of Vim Hints, and this is number four. Today I want to cover using the commands we've learned so far and joining them together with some new ones and to actually get to the point where we can change things in the file. We've been talking about moving around and configuring it, but we haven't actually touched on any anything about changing the contents of the file. Now this episode is probably going to turn out to be quite long. I've covered quite a lot of ground here, including uh, a fair number of new subjects. I thought that perhaps the shows up to now were going quite slowly, maybe too slowly for, for a lot of people. So I thought that if you wanted to really get into Vim and you were you were a new user, then I should bring you up to the point where you could actually do some stuff with it, change things with it. So I hope the length of this one, and hopefully the quicker pace, doesn't put you off uh, and that you enjoy it. So I'm going to start today with some more um, commands that help you move around the file. We've seen how to move by character and by word and by line so far. And we saw this strange thing about how uh, Vim looked at words in different ways, whether it included or excluded the punctuation the the spaces around it. We're going to look at some more movement commands and this time I've started giving you pointers to the appropriate places in the vim help system. Now to get to the help you type a colon command colon help or you can abbreviate that to h which is what I normally do. You follow that with a variety of things. Unfortunately just using the help system to search for a topic can be a little bit difficult because it's effectively doing a a search through many many files and it sometimes can hit things that you weren't intending i'll talk about how to do this better a bit later on to be honest when i've really worked it out for myself and feel confident to to explain it but uh, at the moment i'm pointing you at the documentation files so the one that we're, that covers the movement is is motion.txt. So if you type that name in full after help, uh, then you will be able to look at the entire movement file. Now there's a lot of stuff I haven't covered yet in there, so beware <laughs> you might get lost in there. I found it a bit confusing digging around there myself, um, but I'm trying to 
um, abstract things for you to uh, to make it a bit easier. Now there's a help page about help itself. If you type colon h space help in Vim, then you will get some information about how to use help. And in both in all of the cases where I refer to help, there are also online resources that effectively give you the same text and I've linked them in the show notes. So we're going to move around by sentence and paragraph and these are referred to as text objects in Vim. A sentence is um, a sequence of words followed by a full stop period if you like to use that term, an exclamation mark or question mark and then followed by either the end of the line or by a space and a tab or a tab. So it's what you would call a sentence. There's a little bit more to it than that, which I won't go into here. Um, but anyway, in normal mode then, pressing the close parenthesis character will move forward one sentence, and the open parenthesis will move backwards. Both of these commands take account, so you could type 3 followed by the close parenthesis to move forward three sentences. So that's pretty simple. Uh, a paragraph is a group of sentences and the group is expected to begin after an empty line. In other words, it's a block of sentences with blank lines in between them. And in normal mode, the close brace, curly, the curly bracket if you, like, if you like to call it that, that character moves forward one paragraph and the open brace moves backwards. Again, both of these take account, so uh, a number followed by any of these, either of these commands will move the appropriate number of paragraphs forward or back. Now you might also want to move up and down the file. We've already seen some ways of doing this. There was a minus and a plus command that moved up and down by single lines, or if you put a count on the front of it, would move by multiple lines. So 10 minus moves up 10 lines, 10 plus moves down. Now we've got a, a capital G command, and that moves to a specific line in the file. It's useful if you're uh, writing a script and you get back a message that says there was an error in line 42. Um, you can move directly to line 42 in the editor to, to see what's going wrong. If you just type G, capital G, on its own in normal mode, it moves to the end of the file. If you type 1G, capital G, it will move to the first line of the file. So the, the number that precedes it is the line you want to go to. There's also another equivalent command, which is two lowercase g's. And that means the same as 1, capital G. So as I say in my notes, 42, capital G, moves to line 42. You can also use the two lowercase g's to move to a particular line as well. So 42 followed by two lowercase g's moves to line 42 in the same way. It's a case that there's sometimes equivalent ways to do the, the same thing with, with uh, different commands in, in Vim. In fact, you could say that some commands are aliases of others, or synonyms as they put it in the documentation. So that's pretty simple stuff. So another way of moving around in the file is to search for a pattern, and it's not too surprising that Vim can do that. And if you want to find out more about that, then that the file to look at in the help system is called pattern.txt. It's pattern because the thing you're looking for is a pattern. Or I've used the term target, the string that you're looking for, the sequence of characters you're looking for, 
um, is, is referred to as a pattern. So you, to search forward, you press the slash key. Now that's the normal slash key, the one you use in URLs, and um, that moves you forward. The question mark key moves you backwards. So to begin a search, you press one of these characters, the slash or the question mark, and it appears in the command line at the bottom of the screen, in a similar way to when you press the colon, it appears there. And then the next things that you type, the characters you type, are going to be the search target or the pattern. When you have finished typing that sequence that you want to search for, then you press the carriage return key, which I've signified in the notes as CR with a, a less than and a greater than around it. Carriage return or indeed the enter key that most people have on their keyboards. And then the search starts. Now the search target can be something quite simple, like a sequence of letters and numbers. But as I've said already, it's actually a pattern, which is a more complex thing, which can be a regular expression. Now, regular expressions in Vim's big subject, so I'm not going to deal with this today. We probably need to spend one or more episodes looking at the, this in, in a fair bit of depth, because this is where a lot of power is in Vim. We'll restrict ourselves to simple searches for the moment. So in the notes I've shown, if you typed slash T-H-E and then press the carriage return key or enter key, then it will search, Vim will search for the characters T-H-E um, in the file and it will, the cursor will be positioned on that next occurrence forward in the, from where you were at the, at the start. Now, if when you're typing your search target, you press escape because you've changed your mind or whatever, then the search will be aborted. Once the first occurrence of the, the target or the pattern has been found, then pressing the N key will move to the next one. This is all in normal mode, of course. Now, n the N key results in forward movement if the search was a, a s initiated by a slash, which means move forward, and it will be the next occurrence backwards if you're using a question mark. There is an alternative, which is to press a capital N, and that causes the search to move, change direction and move to the, the previous one in the, in the opposite direction. Not too surprisingly, you can put a count in front of searches. I don't do this much myself, I have to admit, but you can do if you want to. So if you typed three, which would be invisible, you don't see the, the counts that you type. You start in normal mode. Type a three, then slash B-U-T, press the carriage return key, then it will position to the third instance of that sequence BUT from the current cursor position. Now there's quite a lot of things that you can configure to affect the way that searching works and in this episode I've recommended several of these but I'm going to do them later on in the in the show so I'll just summarize them very briefly here. There are things around to the configuration file of course. So you can if you want to set things up so that you ignore the case of letters when you're searching. So if you typed uh, the example T-H-E, then it will go for any capitalization or lowercase combination of those three letters. Now, you might find that useful. I, I have enabled that recently and do find it quite useful. And there's a way to say, yeah, but if I want 
an explicit capital, I want it to begin with a capital T, followed by lowercase h-e. How do I do that? Well, the answer is you would type it in in that form. Any pattern that contains a capital will uh, invoke a search for that specific set of characters in the, the relevant cases. You can also configure things so that the search starts as you're typing the, the target. So you'll see the, the window moving to the appropriate place as you're typing it, typing the, the sequence. I'll talk a bit more about these when I get to them. You can um, also make the search wrap round. So when it hits the, the bottom of the file, it will start at the top. Or if you go in the other direction, if it hits the top, it'll start again at the bottom. And you can also make it highlight all the matches to the search so that it's uh, it's very obvious when you initiate the search where you're going to jump to for the next next search the next when you press the n key as i said i'll talk a bit more about these configuration options a bit later on but i'll leave searching pretty much alone for much of uh, the rest of this show and go go into it in a bit more detail later there's another thing you can do in moving around which I thought would be quite interesting to talk about at this stage. Of course, there's lots more I'm skipping over today. There, it's possible to move between move the cursor between matching pairs of characters. So if you've got an open and close parenthesis, then or parentheses, the plural I should say, or opening and closing braces, or opening and closing brackets, the square brackets, then you can jump between them, which is very useful if you're typing. Uh, code which where you you've got nested brackets so you do this in normal mode the command that you use is the percent sign if the cursor is placed on the first character of one of these pairs it will jump to the closing one if it's on the closing character it will jump to the opening one i didn't find it documented but i experimented and found that if the cursor is positioned before the opening character of the pair, it'll jump to the closing one. So it, uh, if it's on the same line and before it, it will jump to the closing one, which uh, is an interesting way. I suppose Vim is assuming that, that you're positioned on the, the opening one, even though you're not, but you're close to it. If it's between the two characters, then it will be positioned to the opening one. So again, I guess it's... Vim is assuming that you're closer to the closing one and jump to the other one. The percent command can be used to jump between the start and end of C-style comments as well. So if you're writing a C program or you're you're uh, writing uh, CSS or something which uses them, then you can do that. Quite a number of languages use those comments. That's a slash and a star in case you're, you're not looking at the notes. It's possible to configure Vim so you can have other pairs of characters in that list of um, of matching pairs. Um, but you're fairly limited because they ha- the two characters have to be different. So you can't you can't do things like jump between opening and closing quotes because they're the same character. But there is a plugin. Vim's got a whole plugin infrastructure available to it, and there's one that uh, that will that does a very 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 nice job you can jump between the between an if and however you close an if in the language you're working with an end if or something like that um or between the if and the else so that is very very powerful i have this installed but i'm going to leave leave that alone for now until we get to the point where we look at plugins in this series be several episodes ahead i think so now we can come to 
the thing that I've been working towards now for for uh, three episodes, which is to tell you how to change the contents of the uh, the file that you're working with. I don't think I've said so far, and I, and I will need to to um, enlarge on this. But when Vim's editing a file, you're not editing the file directly. Not too surprisingly, what you're doing is you you're editing a copy of it. It's uh, it's stored in what Vim calls a buffer. The buffer is what you see on in the on the screen in what Vim calls a window. We'll get on to this in much more detail later. So what it's pretty obvious that that's what's happening because you know that you can discard any changes you've made with typing colon Q exclamation mark. Or you can save it with colon W. That's the point at which it's written out to the file. And you can also undo stuff and so on and so forth. So what we're talking about here when we say making changes is making changes to the buffer. So let's start with the insert commands that um, allow you to insert new, new text there's a bunch of them, and they they um, are always preceded, can be preceded by a count if you want to. I think it's good to know this because uh, it's it's a good way of inserting blocks of, of stuff. We'll come on to that in more detail in a minute. Now, the help text that I would refer you to for this is called insert.txt. So you type colon h insert.txt and I've also given you a pointer to a version of this on the web. Let's start with the commands to append. The lowercase a command appends text after the cursor. So what happens is that Vim moves from normal mode into insert mode, which we've discussed briefly before, and anything you then type will continue to be added until you hit the escape key. When you do that, when you press that escape key to end your insertion, if there was a count before the command, the insertion you just done will be repeated that many times. That's the lowercase a that puts it directly after the cursor. The uppercase a is also an append, but it appends to the end of the line. So it moves the cursor to the end of the line and then starts inserting there. There's a plain insert command. The lowercase i inserts text in front of the cursor and again it takes the editor into insert mode you type stuff and then you hit the escape key to stop and then again if there was a count before the the i so if you did 10 i and then type some stuff escape then the insertion is repeated that many times there's an uppercase version of this uppercase i inserts text at the start of the line now it does this before the first non-blank. So if you've got some spaces or tabs and then some text and you want to insert before that piece of text, this will. This is the command to do it. It'll repeat if there was a count. And there's a, an alternative command which is lowercase g followed by uppercase i, which is similar to i but inserts the uppercase i, but inserts the text in column 1. So that's a useful one to know. There's also a couple of commands that deal with beginning a new line, adding a new line to the file. The command lowercase o begins a new line below the cursor, regardless of where it is on the current line. And then you can type text into that line that's just been created uh, until you press escape. O is, it, it opens a line, I think the, the documentation says. If you 
have used a count before the lowercase o, then it, and after the escape, it causes multiple new lines and text to be added. The uppercase o command begins a new line in pretty much the same way, but it puts it above the cursor. So it opens a line above where your cursor is. And everything else is pretty much the same. So I've given a few examples just to help you get your head around what, what you can do with this. So, for example, if you typed 8080 as your count, followed by a lowercase i, followed by a hyphen, and then hit escape, and you do that at the beginning of a, of a blank line, it will fill that line with 80 hyphens. That's a very convenient way of putting a line of hyphens in a, in a document when you're, when you're doing it. And the next example is using the E key, which, remember, moves to uh, the end of a word, whichever word you're currently on, it moves to the end of it, followed by a lowercase a, followed by an s, followed by the escape. So what that means is move to the end of this word and then append an s to it. So you could there, that way add the character on the end of a, the word that you've forgotten when you typed it originally. My last example, if you typed 10, 1, 0 is the, the count, followed by lowercase o, then hello world, followed by an escape, then you'd get 10 lines containing hello world inserted into your file, into your buffer to be exact. Let's look at deletion, to information about deletion, and the next topic, subtopic, is, uh, is in the file change.txt um, in the Vim help. First of all, there's a command called x, command lowercase x, and in normal mode, it just deletes the character under the cursor. If you used a count with it, then it would delete that character and then the next uh, count minus one characters to the, the right. But this, if you put 99x and there's only three characters on the line, it just deletes those the the, the characters to the to the right and under the cursor. It, point is it won't delete beyond the end of the line. It doesn't keep on deleting into the next line. The capital X command in normal mode deletes the character before the cursor. So X, lowercase x means delete under the cursor and to the right. Uppercase x means delete the character to the left of the cursor. And again you can put a count on it. It will not delete before the start of the line. Now there's a, a group of commands that begin with D if you type dd, two lowercase d's, then on a line it deletes um, that line. If you put a count on it, 5dd or something, it would delete five lines from the current line downwards. Capital D is a slightly different thing. It deletes from the character under the cursor to the end of the line. So it's a good way of sort of chopping off the end of a line. And if you put a count on that one, it will delete from the cursor to the end of the current line, and then it will it will delete the next count minus one full lines. So it's a slightly odd thing. I never use that because I don't don't find it useful. But I think it's just because I've not never never got into the habit of using it. Can't always see a use for it. To be honest, it's more deficiency of, of mine than anything wrong with Vim. There is a, a lowercase d command, but I'm going to leave that for the moment because you need its usefulness comes with the next topic, really. So I'll leave that in for a few minutes. There's a similar group of 
change commands which allow you to to change the contents of the, the buffer the cc command this is two lowercase c lowercase c's it deletes that number of lines specified by the count if there if there was one and one if not and it enters insert mode to allow text to be inserted and then you press escape at the end to to finish the insertion so C stands for change, so thinking of it as a change is probably the best thing to do, but effectively what you're doing is deleting what's there and then uh, replacing it with the stuff that you type. The uppercase C command, similar to the uppercase D command, and it deletes from the cursor position to the end of the line, and then it inserts. It goes into insert mode so you can type stuff and press escape at the end of it. Now, if there was... um a number or if you put a number account in front of the the uppercase c then it will delete that number of lines including the bit of the line that you're on depending where your cursor is and then allows you to insert stuff so it's it's very very closely equivalent to the the d command the uppercase d except that you can also insert stuff and you could just do uppercase d and then uh press I. It's, it's equivalent to that. There is a lowercase c command, just the one c this time, which is similar to the lowercase d command I mentioned before, but again I'll hold that one back for a short while. Then there's the s command. The lowercase s command deletes uh, the number of characters specified by the count that precedes it, one by default. It enters insert mode and uh, let's type stuff which is ended with an escape as usual. So that's S for substitute. So that's really for dealing with a small number of characters on a, on a line. The uppercase S command is a synonym for the two lowercase c's, which is delete this number of lines and then insert, go into insert mode so you can type some replacements. So it's just uh, the, the two the two are completely equivalent. Now there are more things you can do to uh, change and, and add and delete text in a file, but I'll leave them for another time. It's probably enough to be going on with there. But the the power, one of the, the really powerful features of Vim is that you can join together commands to um, to, to get some quite useful effects. You can join together some of the commands we've just heard of, the ones that change things, with movement commands. So if you do, if you want to do a delete with a movement, such as delete a word or delete um, a sentence, then you use the lowercase d command that we mentioned earlier. So you follow the lowercase d with a motion command. So if you combine lowercase d with lowercase w, then it will delete. Remember lowercase w means move to the start of the next word so this means delete from wherever the cursor is to the beginning of the next word so it's quite useful if what you're doing is you, your cursor is positioned on a word already on the first character of that word and you type dw lowercase in both cases then it will delete all of that word and the spaces that follow it to, to the next word so it's quite useful if you've got VB or something like that in a in a sentence. Then just position to the one of the V's and type 
lowercase d, lowercase w, and you delete it, and the space. So my table shows this command, command combination, if you like, and it also talks about the d, lowercase d, lowercase e, where we know that e, lowercase e means move to the end of the, the, the next word, or the current word, if you're on it. So if you were halfway down a word, for example, lowercase d, lowercase e would delete to the end of it but not beyond, not to the space after it. Lowercase d followed by a dollar, remember that means move to the end of the line, will delete from where you are to the end of the line. So it's it's the same as using the capital D command we saw before. Lowercase d followed by zero means delete from before the cursor to the beginning of the line, because the movement is from where you are to the start of the line, as we saw, I think, in episode one and D followed by a close parenthesis is, uh, means delete the sentence. So it, it, the movement is from wherever you are to the end of the sentence. So the delete in combination means delete to that position. You can also use the lowercase c command, which we skipped over before, in a similar way. So my examples are pretty much the same in the, the table. Shows... Um, C lowercase c followed by lowercase w, which means change from the cursor position to the start of the next word. So if you wanted to, um, to do that in order to uh, replace a word, you've also got to replace the space after it. If, you're, if your cursor is on the beginning of that word, you want to change it, you do that, it'll, it'll be fine, you'll type it in, but it, you also need to bear in mind that you remove the space as well by doing that. C, lowercase c, lowercase e will change from the cursor position to the end of the, the word. Next word really is the, the right way to put it because you might not be on a word at the time but it will move you to the end of the next word to the right. C, lowercase c followed by a dollar will change from the cursor position to the end of the that particular line. So it's the same as the uppercase c command we just looked at c lowercase c followed by a zero will delete up to the beginning of the line and then go into insert mode so you can insert things and you can also change the entirety of a sentence with lowercase c followed by a closed parenthesis there's loads more ways of moving around and therefore there's lots more ways of deleting or changing uh, in conjunction with those movements. And we'll deal with those as we, we go on into future episodes. So that's the end of the section talking about movements and changes and stuff. And hopefully that's got you. It's either introduced you to some stuff you didn't know or um, has uh, got you to the point where you feel confident about using Vim as a means of changing stuff in your file. Now we're going to look at the configuration file. I've got a lot of extras to add to it. There's some help all about the very large number of options available in Vim, and it's in a file called options.txt. So type colon h space options.txt within Vim, and you'll see it, or you can go and look at the link that I've um, used in the notes. So first one is the visual bell. Vim tends to beep to alert you to things. I put up with that for a long time, actually. I didn't really bother about it, but I th when I was sharing an office with somebody at one point, 
saying, why is your bed to keep beeping? So that was the point on which I went and switched that off. And you do that with set visual bell. So what it does, it flashes the screen rather than beeping. There's an abbreviation, SE space VB, if you want to do that. Like I said in earlier earlier episodes, I would not use those myself because then you go and look in your config file and think, what the hell is that? Um, Visual Bell at least is a little bit more uh, understandable. But I've put them in for completeness. You can use set no Visual Bell. You really only want to do that if your your Linux distribution sets that in the uh, system-wide files, which sometimes happens, I think. You'd want to um, to switch it off to to your preference. Can you can type these commands on the in the command area of Vim as well. So you could type colon set no visual bell if you wanted to switch the the beeping back on again at any particular point. But if you do that, it's not a, it's it's permanent through the rest of the session. But having them in the config file is obviously better because that'll be the default setting when. We are typing stuff to Vims. As, as I mentioned earlier on, you're typing the count in front of a of a command. You don't see anything happening. You only know that it's worked when you've done, you've typed in your 10dd or something, and you see 10 lines vanish. But if you switch on the option show command, s-h-o-w-c-m-d, you set that, it you will see the the components of the command that you're building up the count and the the initial letters of a multi-letter command you see them down in the status line as you're doing them so if you were wanting to type 23dd meaning delete the next 23 lines then you would see the 23d part down in the bottom line if the phone rang at that point you you were distracted. You, what was the hell was I doing? You would look back and say, "Oh yeah, I'd got that far down that deletion, and I, had, I just need to type the final D to make it happen." So you, it would then happen, and uh, the display would be cleared, and uh, and so on. I think maybe the display is cleared before the command's action, but there you go. So there's abbreviations and there's methods of reversing it as well. I, there's no point in me reading these out to you because. A, you probably won't want to use them, and if you do, you can read the notes. Now, Vim remembers the last 50 colon commands that you use, and also the last 50 searches, and a bunch of other things which we haven't touched on yet. It keeps them in separate history tables. When you press the colon key, when you're um, about to type a command, you can actually press the up arrow key and see the previous command that you entered. You can do that for 50 times. Similarly, if you type a slash or a question mark to begin a search, uh, you can use the up and down cursor keys to look at all the things you did in the past and reissue them. So it can be useful to have these tables bigger than 50 lines. So there's a an option set space history equals and then the number. And I've given you the example here of setting the history to 100 lines. The history can be kept between uh, Vim invocations, but I was going to leave that mechanism till the next episode, so we'll skip over that for now. Now we get to the the things I mentioned uh, about configuring searches. So you can, if you want to, switch off the case sensitivity in your 
searches and you do that with set space ignore case all one word I didn't um, I, I don't use that on its own but I do use it in conjunction with and you need to set both of these I think to set smart case smart case is the one I described earlier where it will search for both the lower and uppercase forms when they're only lowercase letters in the search target but it will search for an exact match when you've got a mixed case target. So setting the two, ignore case and smart case, will uh, switch on that functionality. You might also want to search in an incremental way. That is, as you type the search pattern, Vim is already hunting for the, uh, the match to what you've typed so far. There's an option, ink search, I-N-C-S-E-A-R, ch type set in front of that you will enable that feature the matched string is highlighted so if you're typing you want to look for the word the t-h-e you type the t and vim will already move to the first instance of t then you type the h and then it will hop along to the next instance of th and then you type the e and it will move to the t-h-e the search is not finished yet. You need to press the return to uh, or cursor return escape uh, enter key to to action it. So you actually position your cursor there. But you 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 see what you've already seen where it's going to go. If the pattern that you're typing is invalid for whatever reason, or the uh, the pattern you're looking for is not found, then you're not going to see anything on the on the screen. In the documentation, it warns you not switch this on if you've got a slow link because Vim's old I mean Vim is fairly old and it relies on an even older VI so those sorts of things were considerations in the old days they still can be if you're running Vim across an SSH connection to a remote machine for example so you might want to bear that in mind if you've got a pretty slow connection to a remote server and you're trying to do this, you might want to switch it off. But uh, I'm sure you'd see things going slowly as a consequence and would would uh, think to do that fairly quickly. Anyway, ink search is quite useful, I think, normally. You can also make the searches wrap round, as I mentioned before. So normally, if you don't switch this on, then Vim will stop at the end of the file for forward searches or at the beginning for reverse searches. If you set wrap scan W R A P S C A N, then it will just go beyond the the beginning or the the end of the file and continue the search at the other the other end of the file. So you do get a message in the status line that says I can't figure exactly what it says, but the message is conveying the fact that it's wrapped round. But it's useful because you might be starting your search going forward from the middle of the file, forgetting that there are instances above where your cursor is. So you'll uh, you'll you'll go from the bottom round back to the top, and then find the ones above your cursor. You also can switch on this highlighting business I mentioned before with the HL search H H L S E A R C H. If you type set in front of that in your configuration file, then when you've made a search, um, it will you all of the instances that match that search will be highlighted. Your cursor will be positioned on the first one uh, after the search has been invoked. The first one from your cursor position, that is. But you'll see all the, any others that there are there. 
Now this is great, it's fantastic, but if your search has been for the letter A or E or something, you're going to have loads of highlights all over your, your screen. You probably want to switch that off after you've done the thing you were setting out to do, because the highlight stays on until you cancel it, so you need to know how to cancel it. And the way you do that is with a command that you type into the command line. So you you, you type colon no no hl search. Not too surprising. You're switching off that hl search feature that you just uh, that's been enabled in your uh, config file. You can abbreviate that. This is a case where you would want to abbreviate it colon no hl. That switches it off. Now most people have a key programmed to do this for them automatically we haven't yet got to how you do that so but that'll probably be be one of the first that we uh, we configure in that way now the final one i haven't mentioned before concerns some extra features that you can enable within insert mode vim allows you to do more when you're in insert mode than did vi some people even work in insert mode most of the time where vim would behave in a similar way to to editors like nano for example there is an option set backspace which enables these features there are three things that you can set that they're just words that you you add after set backspace and an equal sign it's it's documented in the notes of course and I'll just try and explain what the three things mean. What they, what it really allows you to do is, once you're in insert mode, uh, you can move backwards through your insert, inserted text. But more to the point, you can move out of the, the inserted area and uh, go and fiddle around with existing text, just like you would in, in Nano and, and, and a number of other editors that are not modal, like Vim. So if you... After set backspace equals, you put indent, then it allows you to backspace over auto indent. So we haven't covered that yet, but in a, in a nutshell, uh, you can make Vim indent as you're typing stuff in, inserting or appending or whatever. You know, make it auto indent so that the line, the new line you've just created, aligns with the one above it, which is fantastic if you're typing code of some sort like Python or, or whatever. Where you, where alignment is either critical or very highly desirable for readability, I'll talk about this later. But uh, you can backspace over it if you enable that thing. So I strongly suggest you switch that on. EOL is the next one that allows you to backspace over line breaks, which gives you the feature of being able to join lines together by deleting the uh, the, the the new line character between lines. And the third one is start, and this is the one that lets you, as it were, break out from the area you've you've just been inserting into previously existing text. So I would strongly suggest that you switch this one on in your config file because, well, why wouldn't you? I mean, it just gives more flexibility to uh, to Vim. Okay, that's pretty much it. Uh, in the in the show notes, the long show notes, of course. I've tried to summarize all the commands we've covered just with a, a list of, the, of what they are and a very brief set of notes. I was hoping that you'd be able to just go and look at them or 
copy them into into uh, your own notes or something. And I've also given you the entirety of the configuration file up to date. So it, that includes all the things we've done in previous episodes and the new stuff we've we've added in today. I'm going to keep doing this uh, for for a while longer. I think I've given you links to all of the documentation that I've mentioned as we've been going along. There's a link back to the previous episode, just in case you want to go and have a look at that. I think I've tried to chain them, so if you go to go back to three, you can go back to two and so forth. I'll continue doing that. The other thing is that uh, I found a graphical cheat sheet, which is a poster containing summary of all of these commands and quite a lot more that we haven't covered yet, which I thought you might like uh, if you've got access to a big printer probably need an A0 printer and a very large wall for some of these but, but uh, anyway I thought they were pretty cool and thought you might like them. Final thing is to say that I have made another EPUB version of these notes which I think not too bad for for this style of uh, of notes it's the, the code examples that don't work very well but this is still using Pandoc to generate the EPUB so it's not as nice as I'd like it to be and I haven't had time to do anything else with it just now so all right that's it then for this time see you on the next Vim Hints episode you've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org we are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday Monday through Friday Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.